And welcome to the Sanctuary First podcast eh, on this Friday evening. And eh, welcome to all of you who are listening in. We're so glad that you have decided to join us wherever you are, whatever it is you're doing. We welcome you and thank you. This is a podcast that goes out on Spotify and also on iTunes and can be watched live on Facebook at nine o'clock each Friday night or indeed on the Sanctuary First website and or you can be really cool and be watching it on your iPhone or your iPad on the Sanctuary First app. (laughs) <laughs> yes. kept us in suspense there, I was keeping Albert. you in suspense there <laughs> but there you go uh, so welcome to everyone and especially tonight we have got a really interesting theme to look at uh, our, our team uh, is, we're going, is with us and it's, a, it's a, an excellent dream team an open-ended discussion on faith workplace, the future of work and what principles we can use to guide us through the working and praying lives that we have so we are delighted to be joined tonight by Jim Steele from the Sanctuary First team. Good to have you on, Jim, tonight. Thanks very uh, much. I you're doing a double duty on. today because after the live jam, you're back on live again tonight. Wow. It's past my bedtime, so I don't usually come on. <laughs> <laughs> we'll prod you awake, Jim. We'll prod yeah. you awake. <laughs> and welcome to Rob Tribkin, who is a member of the Sanctuary First community, but also has written th- this book. Sacred Rhythm, uh, a Christian spirituality for the 21st century work lives. And uh, welcome, Rob. And we're really interested to have a little discussion tonight with you about your book and bring Jim Steele in because he has had also an interest in this whole area. So it will be interesting to have uh, you two guys who've been in business and being in industry at either side of the pond having a conversation with one another and the rest of us mere mortals we will just sit and listen won't we <laughs> oh, i don't know about that you know <laughs> no that's right no, I don't think so. see laura Dagen, she's the real wee trade unionist among us so she'll be in there making sure that the workers are well represented yes <laughs> <laughs> yes, and I, I see James Cuthcart just watch out for him there, the Shea Guevara, oh, there he is, hand up there. <laughs> <laughs> so welcome everyone, so that's where we're going, uh, and that's what our discussion is, our main discussion is going to be tonight, and then of course we'll move on and have a discussion about um, some of the themes and reflections that we've been looking at in our theme because it's a brand new theme for this this month and it's the theme change is coming get ready so there you go so let's start off with the what's on your mind tonight james well um i feel like i'm the sort of dad correspondent here on the weekly review like i have to give you updates from the front lines of being a dad um, so the one of the things I'm thinking about at the moment is looking at things the right way up or upside down, uh, because um, I have a tiny sticker on me at the moment, uh, which is of a wren. I don't know if you get wrens in America, Rob, but it's like a little tiny little brown bird. And um, my daughter has recently got obsessed with stickers um, and she was very keen to put the sticker on me. Uh, we all have to have a sticker in the morning. She goes and finds the stickers and we each get our designation for today. Um, so I'm team wren today. And uh, she put it upside down and I was thinking, oh, that's funny that she's put it upside down. But then 
all day I've been looking down and I can see their end because it's the right way up. And it's just really interesting how kids um, and all sorts of people in their lives, but especially kids, um, can just come and look at something from a different angle and make you think, oh yeah, actually, we could just be doing this differently. We could just be looking at this from a completely different angle. And so you might look at my wren and think it's upside down, but for me, it's the right way up. So that's where my head is at tonight, Albert, <laughs> turning things on their heads. Wow. There you go. You're such, you're such a cool operator, Cathcart, aren't you? You've always got something to say that's of, of interest and yeah, yeah, we go. Well, it's up to you and I, Dagen, to see if you can beat that. No, I can't. <laughs> Actually, what's on my mind is um, I've been thinking um, about uh, self-care um, because I actually think... Um, we're all a wee bit weary just now. That's that's the energy I'm picking up. That you know, there's a wee bit of a weariness and a tiredness, um, and I think people are desperate, you know, for to go on holiday. But you know, we might not be able to go on holiday with the current situation. And so I've been thinking um, this week about you know just being you know trying to make time you know throughout each day just to be still and just to be present. And, you know, focus on actually the good things, you know, and having some gratitude and trying to fill myself with joy. Um, mm. Because I think this is where, you know, I think we're maybe a wee bit, some of us are a wee bit depleted in our energy just now. And it's just about, you know, focusing on gratitude and sitting with the Lord and getting filled with joy and thankfulness and I think when you're able to like focus on that you know wonderful things start to kind of happen maybe a wee bit slowly to begin with but they start to happen so. absolutely absolutely wonderful things start to happen change is coming get ready mm -hmm. wonderful yes. things start to happen well listen Jim Steele what what what's on your mind tonight I, I must admit, I'm one of the guys that, that the guilty ones that looks for the future. I know how some people dwell in the past mm. and, and are always in the past. I, I'm, I'm always in the future and it's my guilty mm. pleasure. I'm looking forward to tomorrow to put the greenhouse windows in. <laughs> <laughs> I've been building a greenhouse for my, my wife and I haven't put the windies in. I haven't put the glass panes in, Rob. So the glass panes all go in and I've put it off for about four days now. And I think it's because I'm thinking I'm going to end up breaking more of them than I'm going to put in. And the frustration that goes with that. So I've, I think I'm probably like most folks out there. There's jobs that you just you just put off. You don't want to do and you just want to leave them parked. <laughs> well, mine's is the greenhouse Wendy's. <laughs> Oh, I'm going to have a vision of you, Jim, where, you know, just precision, that's it, precision. One of these magnetic things, you know, holding it all in, you know. And for our American guests and our international guests, that's a glass house. That's a glass house that's for vegetables. And I've got to put the glass into the frame without breaking it. And I'm not looking forward to it. But I'm optimistic. Well, we'll need to get you back, actually, Jim, to give us a, a commentary on how the, the glass fitted. 
I know frame. people are going to be wondering what's, uh, what's happening with uh, Jim's greenhouse. Did he make it? Did he make he it? needs a photo. <laughs> <laughs> you know, talking about pains, talking about pains, I'll tell you a wee story. You know, there used to be these preachers that would go round to the wee mission halls, you know, in the Glasgow area and different parts of Scotland. And this one preacher used to go and he was never known, he was never the first you know what I mean? People know this. There are certain people, preachers or people, they're always second best. You know, they're the, 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 the substitute. You see? So this preacher goes knowing he's a substitute and he's trying to explain. He thinks, that's a big word. No, everybody will understand what a substitute is. So... So he's standing, he's talking in the middle of the mission hall and he looks and he sees one of the panes of glass are out and there's a big bit of brown paper <laughs> over the pane. So he says to he says to the congregation, you know, a substitute is just just like that brown paper. I'm not I'm not the glass, I'm just like the brown paper. So on the way out, when wee man goes out and he's shaking hands with him and he says, oh, Mr. whatever his name was, you're no a substitute. You are a real pain. (laughs) 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 Oh, oh, well, that's bad enough. Rob, what's (laughs) in your mind? I'm sure you can do something better than that. I don't know. I feel like I'm surrounded by media celebrities and I'm new to this. Uh, I'm just sitting here, you know, summer's coming. Uh, last couple of days, it, it really felt like summer. And so I'm looking out the window and thinking, you know, I'd be, I should be spending more time out there. You know, I, I've got a lot of work to do and I'm, I'm, I'm uh, you know, I, I, I do quite a bit of it. But I'm thinking, yeah, it'd be nice to just kind of go walk, walking outside later on. And, uh, uh, and I, I'm, I'm, I'm afraid that's all I have for you. Well, I think you should do so. You should do that because my son Stephen last week he had a busy week, but he decided it was such a lovely day on Monday, and it was a bank holiday here in Scotland. Mm-hmm. He took he and his wife took the morning off, and they went walking in the Trossachs. And they're only we you know when we live in Bridge of Allen, we're only half an hour from there, and he, he just said it was re-energizing. It was just great. Mm-hmm. So we need to get out more back to what you were saying, Laura, caring for ourselves, looking after ourselves, getting out and enjoying the good weather. Yeah. And and the great thing is you can take Sanctuary first with you. Yes. Oh, yes. Anyway, you can take us with you. Get the app out. You actually can't escape Sanctuary first. You can't escape us. (laughs) There we go. Well, listen, I think we've covered everyone apart from telling you what's on my mind. But what was on my mind? Well, today I've just been thinking about our friends in India, mm. a, a Paul Moses and a Grace, and the amazing work they do in the Sangeeta Orphanage. If you get a chance, and folks who are listening in, just Google it, the, the Sangeeta Orphanage in India. Wonderful work they're doing. And I was just thinking about them and praying about them today. In the midst of all the pandemic, they are looking after children, orphans, and looking after something like 900 widows who and, and trying to feed them and encourage them. So that's a great work that I was just thinking about today in the midst of 
uh, as we're coming out of lockdown and enjoying some of that, uh, there are those in India who are struggling and uh, not it's not easy for them. So keeping them in our prayers and uh, keeping them before God. Mm-hmm. But that's always on my mind. But listen, as you review the site, anything that's come to your mind, Laura, start with you. Anything that you're oh, kind of... Yes, no. Everyone knows how much I like a, a wee dramatisation yeah, and a lovely monologue and just getting into a character's mindset and what's been happening and uh, bringing that to life. And so this week, oh, it was a joy for me to see um, that we had up um, Lily Cathcart's uh, monologue for Rhoda, um, which she wrote and performed. Um, and this was in the Sunday service, um, but it's there as a standalone in the videos as well. And it's just it's just delightful. And I think um, Lily really captures um, the heart of Rhoda and she gives her a voice and, oh, there's just such a joy in her. It's just beautiful, just beautiful. Yeah, I think we've actually got a wee clip of it. Eh? So even those of you listening on the headphones of the podcast, it's a monologue, so you don't need to see, although it's a clever little video, so you might want to, you know, at some point slip in and look at the video if you're just listening as a podcast. But eh, you can also listen to it as a video podcast as well. But eh, Ray's got a little clip for us there, I think. Sometimes it just takes a minute to come up. I always liked Peter. He talked about big things, and the other men liked him for it, of course. But he was good to Mary, my mistress, when he visited with her son. And to me when he had the time. To me he would sometimes say thank you, which he didn't need to do. But I always gave him a smile when he did. He once told me I had the smile of a little angel, because it made my face shine. They talked about angels and such, and about Jesus. I heard all about Jesus while I was cleaning round them. I would even bring my supper to the door to hear more before Mary sent me to bed so I can be up in time to start breakfast. Men eat a lot. It was okay when it was just John Mark come home and sometimes bringing Peter, but when all their friends came, well, (laughs) I had to get up very early to get a head start, that's all. But it was different once Peter got thrown in that cell. John Mark was sad, we all were. Nobody ate as much or talked as loud, except when they were very angry. I started to pray to God to bring him back. Selfishly, I missed the happy evening talk and the way he thanked me now and then. But Mary said he probably wasn't coming back. People can't just walk out of prison on their own, Rhoda, she told me, as I swept the oven out and nibbled the leftovers from that morning's loaves. No matter how much their friends want them to, she added, with a look at those sad friends walking down the lane. So when Peter turned up at the door one evening, I couldn't believe my eyes. Mary was hosting John Mark and and some more of Peter's friends that evening, and they were telling stories and saying prayers in that new sad way that they did. I got so excited for them to see him, to feel happy that I completely forgot to open the door. They laughed at me for that once they'd all finished yelling and hugging in amazement. Peter said he had to get going, but Mary said he had to have something to eat first. If he thought he was hitting the open road without some bread in his stomach after knocking on Mary's door, he had another thing coming. Mary called me in to fetch some food, and I did with flushed cheeks from all the teasing. Peter ate happily and told them the story of his escape. I listened carefully, 
eating my supper in the doorway again and wishing I'd seen the angel who let Peter out of prison. Peter was talking between bites of warm bread and herbs. He said, Then, after all that, I thought little Rhoda was so amazed she was going to forget about me and leave me on the doorstep all night. He laughed as he finished off the story, and I blushed again at that. But Peter had noticed me, listening, and added, Thank you for coming back, Rhoda. Without your amazement, I doubt the others would have believed it was me at all. They all laughed sheepishly, and I smiled my best smile at Peter. Mary laughed too, and hugged my shoulders in happiness. But she still shooed me off to bed ready for the morning. Now that I lie here, listening to the merriment and thinking about Peter's escape, I've been wondering. His angel walked him past bars and walls and guards, but Peter couldn't get past our little front door until I opened it. Maybe that makes me a bit of an angel too. Yeah, it's just a lovely... So well, so well uh, performed as well, wasn't it? Mm-hmm. Oh, just, yeah. Just beautiful. Oh, that's lovely. Lovely wee clip, so it is. And I think it just captures something of that uh, reality of the kind of the community, the Christian community in, in that early church and the, and, and the warmth and the expectation, mm -hmm. but also the humanity. Yes. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. It's easy to um, kind of flatten biblical characters, you know, because we don't always have that much information about them, um, especially if they're women. Often uh, we wouldn't get a name of somebody like Rhoda, so it's quite special that we know her name. Um, but, uh, but yeah, we often flatten biblical characters and don't really imagine that they've got uh, human emotions or, or feelings. And so it's really nice, as Laura says, to get a chance to enter into that world and use a bit of imagination and think, ah, oh, you know, but what, what would that have actually felt like? Um, so it was lovely to have that. Uh, so looking through the site, James, anything this week? Have you been diving deep at all? Well, so here's a bit of a segue, because um, that was a clip that uh, we just made recently uh, for a service. But we're now going to go back um, a few years, back a few years to one of the first things that Jack Steele uh, ever made for us, which is a film uh, called Breaking Bread. And so there's a connection there because we just saw Lily as Rhoda making bread. And in the, in the film, Rhoda talks about these hungry men that just want to eat a lot. And the film Breaking Bread is about two hungry men it's about a father and son who are scunnered they're fed up they can't really relate to one another anymore they're not um they're just not talking and uh, then things start to happen and and the relationship goes in a different direction um so it's a much longer piece so we're just going to watch a little bit of it now um but it's um an interesting one tonight albert to look at when we're thinking about uh, work because there's a bit of a sense of work-life balance and and this idea that these two people have stopped communicating um, as well perhaps partly because of the pressures of their lives um, and I know that's one of the things that we struggle with when it comes to work is how do we balance our work and our life at the same time but let's um, watch or listen to a section now of Breaking Bread. Why don't we cook something? Hmm? Cook something. Okay. Yeah. 
They're watching the video, they're cutting up the onions and making something. Father's now telling the son how to cut the onions up. At least they've started to speak to one another. The father's not doing all that hot at cutting the onions up either. <laughs> but the dad's making the sauce there. He's looking for the onions. Tell you, I'm not sure I want to eat this this meal. <laughs> there it is, the spaghetti bolognese kind of put together. Just in a bit of a hurry. And they're sitting at the table together with the faded flowers. Nobody's watered the flowers for a while either. This house is unkempt, uncared for. A bit like their relationship. I don't think they're going to eat this, do you? <laughs> oh, they did! Wow. I think Jack was paying the actors for this one. No, they're no, they're not going for this at all. Yeah, it's not going to work. It's not very good, is it? Not really. <laughs> but at least they're talking to one another. So, uh, how was your day? It was fine. Mm -hmm. It wasn't great, to be honest. Really? Why? What happened? I've got an exam coming up. I'm probably going to fail it. Okay, well... What subject is it? Geography. Well, I was actually very good at geography at school. I could help you with it, if you wanted. <laughs> oh, what's going to happen there? <laughs> the food might not be all that, but uh, the act of cooking starting together has started to warm up the, the relationship again. Um, so we recommend that you go on the website and, uh, and look that up. The film's called Breaking Bread, um, and uh, you can watch the whole thing. Yeah, especially if you've been listening to the podcast, we tried to give you a little a, a running commentary for you so that you didn't feel completely out of it. Nothing worse than watching, listening to a podcast, which has also got a video connection, and you say, what's happening? Is this broken? <laughs> but we won't be doing another one today like that, so don't worry, don't give up on us. I think they probably liked your commentary, Albert, you know. Do you think so? Entertaining, yes. We could offer that, you know, how on the DVDs they've got the, yes. um, the extra commentaries. We could have... Uh, Director's Cup. That's it. <laughs> <laughs> 
which actually brings us all to this idea of um, because this, that that video actually, if you watch it from the beginning, you can see there's a there's mistrust between father and son. That there's dishes lying in the all over the place. The house is a mess, and things aren't working. And father's going out to work, and he's coming back, and there's nothing prepared. There's no food prepared, um, and uh, it's just the rhythm of life is going haywire. And that brings us to our, our guest tonight, uh, Rob Tribkin from California, who's uh, joining us and uh, being part of our, our our Sanctuary First community. But Rob, you, you're the author of a new book called Sacred Rhythm, and it's going to be released. When will it be, when it be actually released for people to download or to buy? Well, you can download it or, or have it shipped to you uh, on June 14th. And between now and then, you can pre-order it if you'd like. You pre-order the uh, 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 the uh, digital version on Amazon um, uh, from now until the 14th. So pre-order. So why did you call it Sacred Rhythm and not Sacred Rhythms? Just oh, I, think, I think there's a I think there's a rhythm to Christian spirituality. At least at least that's the way I think of it. <clears throat> uh, we, we turn towards God, and then we turn towards the world. Including, including in the world, our work. Um, and I wanted to start there and use that as kind of the framework. My view is that um, a lot of people deep down inside would really like to work with a greater sense of purpose. Maybe even a sense that their work is connected to something bigger or deeper or beyond. I think people also have a deep intuitive desire to, to do work that, uh, or to feel that their work is contributing to the greater good and the the well-being of others and so i think of that as, as the rhythm we turn towards god and we turn towards the world so there's an element in which your book you're writing this not just for christian people but for people who because these are things that there can be people searching for god and there can be people also thinking i want my work to be to be effective i want to make a difference and i want my work to be something that's making a difference in the world yeah, I think we're talking about basic human, deep basic human desires here, um, which I think is what Christianity speaks to, uh, Christian spirituality speaks to, and I, I wanted to I wanted to get that I wanted to help communicate that connection. Um, um, you know, I've, I've talked to a lot of people over the years uh, that have a lot of trouble connecting their faith or their spirituality to their work, and the um, part of it, big part of it, is that. Um, you know, they understand the church teaches them to, to treat people well and to act with act, act uh, with integrity. Mm -hmm. But when it comes to actually connecting their faith to to the work itself, and, and by work itself, I mean the work that they're doing that produces goods and services. They don't associate the goods and services, and they don't they don't they don't associate the work with their with their faith. Uh, not always. I mean, there's a lot of a lot of variations among people, but but it seems to be a common pattern. And I wanted to help close that gap. Um, I, and I wanted to help people see how how um, their Christian spirituality can involve their work, uh, and not just uh, missionary work, but the work that they're doing right now because of the contribution it makes. Um, and so I talk about the sacred rhythm I, and. Uh, there, there are four key aspects to what I think of as, as, as the good news. Um, when I think about the good news, 
I think, first of all, that we're invited into a, a deeper sense of connection with God to experience a, something beyond um, that, that can help give us a purpose. Uh, second, we want to turn towards the world and, and, and feel as though we're making a contribution. Can I, can I say, interrupt you just a moment, I think in your book, it's really quite clever the way you talk about people turning towards God and, and starting with creation and you, this is not just a simple, this is a book that goes into quite a lot of, just gives a lot of information and different things. But mm. you, you also talk about the creation myths and yes. you talk about what makes the Christian story or the, the Jewish story or the Hebrew story of creation so important. Uh, you know, and, and I just think that that's really, you, it's not, you, you take people on a journey, but you also introduce them to theology as you go along. You, you're doing a good, it's an, an interesting, it's, this is this is an interesting book for people to get a hold of. Don't you think so, Laura? Oh, it really, it really is because uh, because we, we've managed to, we got a wee preview um, listeners. And so I was like, I was really excited whenever I started reading it because I actually thought, do you know, I, I wish I had read this book like see like 20 years ago whenever I had like first entered the workplace and I was really kind of I had a deep longing as well to um, know God more and I was really searching for a purpose and I think a lot of young people especially are um, as you know you enter the workplace and you're trying to find a purpose in your life but you're trying to grow your relationship you know, we got for some people they're they're seeking and they don't even know that the longing they've got is for God. And I was just like so excited when I started reading this because I'm like, oh, this like you know, it spoke to like the, the 22 year old like Laura, you know. <laughs> Back then I'm like, oh, this would have been like so wonderful to um, read it. But this is what I loved as well, is is like it's not like a it's not like a self-help book. No, it's not. No, it's not at all. It's not like also one of these because I, I've, I'm quite, I'm interested in like sacred rhythms, you know, and different practices, spiritual disciplines that can help us within our um, daily lives. And I liked how you called it sacred rhythm. You know, I really did. I liked how you called it that because it, it's it's because it's just that there's and I loved how as well how you included. You know, it's like bringing in, you're introducing people to different aspects of theology as well. So is that, you know, as, as Albert said, you know, um, you know, create, creation myths and things like that. So for people who are, are seeking and have this longing and this longing for purpose and they know God, it's just going to be like, oh, wow. <laughs> Can I introduce, uh, bring Jim in at this point, R Rob? Because like you, I know your background, a little bit of your background is that, you know, you've been in industry and you've been in, in the food industry for a long time, I believe, in the past. Mm -hmm. And and so that you had employees and you knew, you knew what that was like to have employees and be an employer. Jim, you're not in the food industry, but you're in a different kind of industry. But you, you, you also saw that people were seeking in the workplace for meaning and purpose. And you got involved in with chaplaincy in your workplace? Yes, indeed. It came out of my, my, my own need. It came out of my own need for looking for something more than the purpose of ambition 
and, and just simple uh, success, uh, purpose, all of these things people are striving for, they're, they're looking for ambition or they're, they're, they're trying to achieve something in their day-to-day. -day. And it's a, it's a false hope because sadly um, it doesn't allow us to, to aim for the right type of thing. Um, and as I started to search my cell, I, I made a few phone calls and uh, sorry, my, my wife as well made a few phone calls and we get in touch with the, the chaplaincy, Church of Scotland chaplaincy uh, in place and work, work placement. And uh, it was very, it was a very, very good introduction when uh, I got to meet with somebody uh, and talk and talk things through that I didn't, I didn't know where to start. Mm -hmm. uh, and Rob, this is one of the things that you, you allude to, that there's a space for the church and for Christians to be involved in the workplace, in the workspace. Eh? And you, you have this idea, you, you take this idea shalom and you, you, you say, this is not just about peace, but this is about God's blessing. But you also, and what I like about this too is you're also very careful to disassociate yourself from prosperity theology. Yeah. But but you want to say something about shalom and about God's blessing for the whole of life. Do you want to say a wee bit about that? Yes, because I, I think it's really very important in, in the Hebrew Bible, the, the Old Testament. Um, the, the original idea of shalom, the, uh, the original word it comes from, it means completeness or wholeness. And when you look at the way Moses and the others talk about it, um, it's not just peace, though that's that's an important part of it, but it starts with your relationship with God, extends to your relationship with other people, but it also flows through all aspects of human well-being. Mm -hmm. And so uh, the uh, in the early books of the Bible, they're not afraid to talk about the, the wealth that, that Abraham was, had and, and about material well-being and all these things. Um, material well-being is not, is not the key aspect of it, but it is a part of it. It is a part of it, um, and it, it's it's not in my view. It's it's not that God rewards uh, 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 people, uh, Christians uh, uh, in a transactional sense, but if we live a certain way, if we follow the the original rules, a lot of which had to do with commerce in in the uh, first five books of the Bible. Not all not all, but a lot of them had to do with commerce and economic relationships. Um, we'll tend to do better. And we'll tend to do better in all all realms of life. Uh, it's not a promise, and lots of things go wrong. Um, but I think the original concept of shalom had to do with that. Remember, in in Moses's um, kind of his farewell speech before he died, and and the, the Israelites headed into the promised land, uh, he said, "I put before you a choice between life and prosperity, and between death and adversity." Um, and so I think that was that Shalom meant, had to do with the goodness of all of life, uh, health, the environment, uh, personal relations, uh, peacefulness, um, um, and, and all the other things. Uh, but they didn't exclude uh, material well-being. I suppose tied in with that is you'd be saying is that if I prosper, I want you to prosper also. Yes, we all prosper together. I want to. I want to share what I have with you and prosper together. And and that kind of concept of community and communion and the community sharing, which is picked up again in the scriptures in the in the New Testament. I think Laura, you want to say something there, no? I will see that same like I, I did work for a company that um it was like, you know, co-ownership 
that was like a principle that the that the company was built on and it's like well if the business prospers we all prosper we all share we all share in this um and it's a uh, you know so we're all giving our best and and it's not just it wasn't just the you know the, the company is very tried to make sure that you know, where things were sourced where um you know it was you know people were treated fairly um and the sourcing of the products and uh, giving a fair wage and you know this ethos went through the whole the whole company and that I, I really believe in that um in that frame you know that framework um because I think that's it if we're all in this because as well there was something within um when I had read one of the chapters in the book Rob and it was a, a, a young guy had said about in church oh, I don't know if I should keep working or, or if I should, you know, leave and go and work in the church. And, you know, we, we're all, we can all be ministers. You know, it, it doesn't necessarily mean to be that our ministry is within the church. And I thought that that was really important because I think if we give really value our work and um, we take pride in it and we give our best um, in this, and I just loved how, you know, what you were saying about shalom just brought it all together and it has that that giving your best and it means then that everybody prospers at the same time i would be even go further rob and, and say that when i when i think of my god i look at my god he's an entrepreneur and i say that because he's investing all the time he invests in every little thing that i got up to and if I endeavor, just as you had said, if you endeavor, I feel that God blesses that endeavors. Now, we may learn from mistakes and that it may not be successful. Not everything can be. It may not be prosperous. But the investment, it, that nothing of the investment is lost. And the failure, we reap rewards. And the, the modest uh, achievement we might do personally, we reap rewards. And if we do actually attain success in you know, worldly terms, we reap rewards. And again, it keeps turning us is to back to God um, for that that constant investment in spirit. That, that yeah. is, so to me, my God's an entrepreneur that invests in people. <laughs> and I, I, I guess I'd ask, I, I would guess that you saw the same thing that I saw. That when, you, when you serve customers, when you look for ways to help people, when you try to provide things that that, that are good for people, your things are much much more likely to go well, and your business is much more likely to grow. It, it's it's I like to say it, it's very hard to grow a successful business by just being better at math than everybody, you know. Yeah. It, it, it starts with that service, I think. So. Mm -hmm. I was struck, Rob, um, uh, because as, like Laura, I was thrilled to get my preview copy. This is pretty exciting <laughs> to get a preview copy of a book, and uh, and I've only. Um, read the, the first part but something that that struck me in the instruct uh, the introduction um was this idea of not compartmentalizing things um and i think so much in our faith um well even there i'm starting to do it in our faith you know as opposed to in our life like i find that phrase really annoying when people say my faith life and i'm like what's this faith life that you've got that's independent from the rest <laughs> of your life um and so this idea that um, you talk about in the introduction that we actually impoverish our faith. So not just from the idea that our work life benefits from bringing spirituality into it, but actually our spirituality um, uh, can be 
uh, blessed or expanded or enriched by allowing it to be part of our work life and I yes. think so often in our our work we spend so much time doing it we can kind of let ourselves off the hook a bit um a lot of my work is with sanctuary first <laughs> so <laughs> there's a little reminder there a little nudge uh, for me to try and not let myself off the hook but I think oftentimes um we can be um yeah just kind of thinking okay but I just have to get this done. I just have to get X done. I have to get Y done. Whereas actually seeing everything is connected, everything as an opportunity um, to be part of the body of Christ in the world um, is just a really positive and uplifting note um, to encourage people to, um, to adopt. Yeah. Hey, well, guys, you know, this has been a really interesting discussion. It's been great to have you on uh, with us tonight, Rob. Uh, sharing uh, with this uh, the book, uh, Sacred Rhythm, a Christian spirituality for our 21st century work lives. Uh, worth getting a hold of. You can pre-order it from Amazon and it's available on the 14th of June. And if you're stuck and you can't remember all this, send us an email at Sanctuary First. Uh, Contact at sanctuaryfirst.org.uk and we will send you the link and the connection to get this book because we think it's good. And I wouldn't be surprised if we come back to this again. I think there may be areas that perhaps Sanctuary First, we might have a... a it might be worthwhile having almost a, a week of reflections, a, just looking at the a Rob's book and... Yeah. looking at our work our work our work lives yes i i think it's it's definitely something that um i think would be a real blessing um for people yeah i think there's i think it'd be something so hopefully rob we might be we might be calling at your door again oh, i'd love to i'd love to come back and yeah. you know there's something i'd like to to i guess reiterate and reinforce um we think of our churches uh, I think of the churches here, and you know, your situation may be different, but um, there are so many people, so many working adults outside the church that could really use our help, that could really use the, our help in making these, these kinds of connections. And I think, I think it could be, really be a big opportunity for churches to, to, um, to engage, to do, get into some rather exciting engagement. So. And yeah, that, that, that's, I'm done. <laughs> well, we're, we're going to be the online church that tries to get some engagement with this and see if we can engage with some folks out there. Listen, we've got Jim who's, we, we can't have Jim not have a song. And the, there's an interesting song which comes out of the Breaking Bread uh, video that you've watched. Uh, and uh, Jim, do you want to just say a wee bit about it, introduce the song and then give us it? It, it was it was it was fabulous to be part of that video and I, I was asked for a little piece of instrumental music but it was it was too good a message that I, I felt I had to write some words about it and the song's called the isolation of a family man and it, it's about this work conflict that Rob's talking about but not just uh, the conflict of work but the, the conflict of Christian faith within work and family and the, the, it, it, this triangle just is is, is, is really tough. And it gets harder when one of the, the partners or your, your wife or, or husband are away. And the song talks about that. And this is what's happened in the video, that the wife was away and the father and the son were forced to try and have a relationship. 
And this is what's, what's the bread and butter for everything. It's the same for God, a relational God. And everything we do is relational. And the, the song, Isolation of a Family Man, the backing music is, is, is on there and it's just to build the name. So I'll, I'll do this song. Work and life gets in the way I notice it almost every day Sometimes I feel less than I am The isolation was not my plan Work and life gets in my way I notice it most when you're away I've known happiness in my life It seems so far away from me Sometimes I feel less than I am The isolation of a family man Can you love me as I am? Sometimes you see me as I am My broken life is just a sham Sometimes I feel less than a man My race with life is almost round I can't say it's went to plan I know I've been less than a man But you love me for what I am Sometimes I feel less than I am The isolation of a family man That was wonderful, Jim. Thank you. Thank you so much. That phrase, there's just so much in that, isn't there? The isolation of a family man. Because that phrase is so kind of redolent with associations, isn't it, in culture? Oh, he's a family man, you know. Oh, you can try. Oh, he's a family man. But, yeah, there's something else going on there, isn't there, Jim? There's more layers. There is. There's dangers. I think the dangers for, for all of us to isolate eye within work or even isolate within our faith. Uh, there's a lot of isolated Christians. Mm -hmm. uh, it's still not working for them. But that relationship um, with God, and I, as I've said, it invests in people for us to widen our perspective, widen our, our, our range of, of relational interfaces. And that, that, I think that's crucial, absolutely crucial.
I think there's a lot of wisdom in what you're saying there, there, Jim, the isolation of the Christian life, that we can be in a community where we're afraid to say something's happened that we are thinking in a different way. And if I say this, I'll be isolated or I'll be cut out or I'll be shunned. And so there's this isolation and this fear. I know I long that Sanctuary First would be a place where people can come and 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 explore and talk and be welcomed. Mm. Rob, what did you think of Jim's song there? Oh, I liked it. I liked it. Um, I, you know, I, I wish I could write songs like that. Thank you, Jim. Yeah. He's great, isn't he, Jim? We're so blessed to have you, Jim. Um, and so for this this final part of the podcast, let's segue, I like a segue, from the isolation of a family man to the isolation of a family woman and Hannah, because Hannah has been the secret heroine of Albert's Week. And mm -hmm. uh, keen listeners of the weekly review will have picked up a few weeks ago that Albert spilt the beans as to who his secret heroine was, Hannah. Um, and so we've been able to look forward to this week. And I really appreciated, Albert, this week, how you kept returning to Hannah. Um, you in developing this theme there's four key stories and so her her story in this Hannah's song which you start the week with is your key reading for the week and so I really appreciated how you kept bringing us back to Hannah and reading things um, through um, through the lens of Hannah because in a similar way you know I, I just said there about the isolation of a family woman but there's a sense that Hannah's position particularly in the culture and society she was in was incredibly precarious and um dangerous um and this is a woman who's living life on the edge who's who's struggling but then something changes um and i just absolutely loved that phrase in your uh, first prayer albert the the first piece which you wrote on sunday was called the change maker's mother um but you end the reflection with this sentence disappointed people matter to god and they do you know we've been talking a bit tonight about mm -hmm. business and entrepreneurship and going out into the world and doing things and that's great and god blesses our enthusiasm but we don't need to be successes to matter to god we don't need to be have it all together we don't need to have a plan we matter to god in who we are um and the disappointed the frustrated the isolated the lonely matter to god um and so i thought the the simplicity of that was really beautiful um and just set the tone for for the rest of the week so thank you so much for yeah. for that and uh, laura i was wondering um if there was a piece that you wanted to highlight um yes i really i really um was struck by another kingdom and um, that was Monday and that was the one that focused on Romans 8 but in it um that it was these were the lines that really got me uh, we need to start believing that there is a beauty in all of us his beauty we need to stop using our old identity and start living and using our new identity and and I think this is something that I think sometimes we we feel to fully grasp it, you know. And I think we can fall back into old patterns of behaviour, especially. And I think, you know, and and how perhaps you know people have viewed us, you know, in the past, and especially within family dynamics, you know, and like if you've had a group of friends perhaps for a long, long time. 
you know, you can take on the, you can and keep hold of these, um, you know, that these kind of, oh, these kind of things that you know people would have expected of you, would have seen you as being these characteristics, and maybe believed the things that people have thought about you. And so, I think we have to really remember, you know, that actually when we when we when we come to, when we come to know Jesus, you know, you know, the Holy Spirit works in our lives and changes us. And it's okay, you know, to let go of all that, you know, let go of it all um, and be the new creations, you know, that 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 we're called to be. Um, and that God rests. God is in each and every one of us mm-hmm. and has beauty shines out of us. You know, and stop using that old passport photo. <laughs> <laughs> You're a new creation and God's within you. And that just, oh, I just thought that that was, oh, Albert, you just captured that so, so powerfully. Mm-hmm. Rob, would you like to come in? Yeah, I, I was struck, especially in the, in the, in the pieces about um, Hannah and Mary, uh, and to some extent, the other ones about the connection between worship and change. Mm. Uh, Albert, I think you, you wrote something in one of the introductions about the, how worship changes us, uh, even to the point of changing our, our chemistry. It makes me wonder do we want to worship more when we're going through a time of change? Um, mm. And, you know, maybe that's not necessarily church worship, or maybe it is, but there's something about worship when we're going through, through a period of high change, I think, that seems to anchor us. And um, anchors in kind of a deep, rich kind of a way, I think. Um, so I'm not sure what to do with it, but I, I've been thinking about that this week and uh, what that might mean. Hmm. That's a really lovely idea, Rob. The idea in our in our last theme reset, we um, looked at this idea of recalibration, um, and there's maybe a mm-hmm. sense in which worship is that. In, in various forms, not just sung worship in, in, in a church service, but um, our, our types of worship are a way of tuning back in, aren't they? A way of reconnecting and thinking like, oh yeah, where am I here? Am I, where am I? I'm here. Okay, I'm here, right? I'm right here. I'm not there. I'm not tomorrow. I'm not yesterday. I'm here. Um, so that's that's a lovely thought, Rob. Thanks for sharing that. Um, I think I'd love people to, sorry, I think I'd love people to, like Laura and Rob had said, is imagine this new creation and, and, and see the opportunity in this new creation to discover who they're going to be. Mm. It's a wonderful open, open prize of, of, of just pure uh, relational giving from, from God. And if people stop for a second to say, I wonder what new creation I'm going to be, then if you wake up each morning, that this is such a surprise to us because we don't know what we're going to be. And honestly, it's a wonderful treasure each morning we can look to that. I know people can't always, but that, that's the way I've got to try and do it each morning. Look at the opportunities of discovering something new within us. Mm-hmm. And we can cry out a hallelujah mm-hmm. like in Psalm 113. Oh, I love that prayer, Albert. I love that prayer. Lord, when I sing a hallelujah, I feel I'm flying. I'm defying that feeling. I'm falling. And instead, discovering your faithfulness is unending. I fly higher. It's then I want to cry. Cry out. Cry aloud. Cry out loud. Hallelujah. (laughs) 
Hallelujah. <laughs> it's great to have you reading the block caps, Laura. That's great. Yeah. Hallelujah. <laughs> Hallelujah. And it's lovely the the structure of that at the end, how um mm. the last was it five lines get a bit longer. Each one just gets a bit longer as it's building and building and swelling into this hallelujah. And that's it, and you can feel the emotion change. We eat as as you know, we each, you know, line, you know, each word, the emotion changes, you know. So you could come and you're crying and you're in despair, but then you're crying out. You're crying out to the Lord, you know, and you're crying out aloud and, and then you're crying out loud, you know, with joy and oh, oh yes. <laughs> I'm on a roll here. <laughs> <laughs> Hallelujah. <laughs> you, you know, I think part of it is reminding you of Paul and Silas in jail. Mm-hmm. You know, and oh, uh, and it's back to what Rob's saying, they're going through this time of great change and struggle, and yet they find time to worship. Yeah. And the worship changes everything, creates an earthquake, but also creates a, a church at Philippi and creates a letter that Paul writes to the Philippines that ends up being Laura Dagan's, one of her favourite letters in the Bible. <laughs> yeah. I know that, because you keep on telling me. <laughs> but, but, and it's about joy. That whole Philippines is about joy, sheer joy, and the hallelujah, singing the hallelujah. Um, and I do think Leonard Cohen had, had caught in something there when he talked about, you know, that song, the hallelujah, mm-hmm. um, the the sacred chord, this you know, yeah. the secret chord, and that's what we've got the secret chord sessions for. That's what we got the idea for because we're longing for some chord that is just going to give us a real hallelujah, a special chord, a special searching for God in the midst of it all. This searching for just the sweet spot, isn't it? That's that, yeah. And it was very um, moving today, Albert, in your piece, uh, where for the prayer, you you produced the song lyrics for We Will Sing For You and tell the story of how that song uh, came about. It was written by, uh, what's his name? You've got it here, Ian. Ian Walker. Ian Walker, that's right. So Ian Walker wrote this song. Um, and we've used it recently in a Sunday live service. But this idea that, um, as Rob was saying, you know, worship can be this thing which can tune us in and can and can connect us and can help um, in so many ways. But there can be blockages and there can be times where it's hard to sing. And that that hallelujah that was being cried out by Laura <laughs> just a few minutes ago, maybe there's a way in which Laura can cry a hallelujah for you today. You know, maybe it's hard to say hallelujah sometimes. But the great thing about being in this community and in this body of Christ is that we can carry one another um and so that song we will sing for you you know means that um you can benefit from the worship we can we can draw close to one another even if we don't feel um like we can participate in the same way um so it's just such a lovely um a lovely thought and there's still one more to go there's still one more prayer mm-hmm. to go mm-hmm. where we rhoda will be making an appearance tomorrow yeah. morning uh, to close us off for the week um but thanks albert for um That's all the enjoyed. creativity and uh, and spirit you've taken to this week as we enjoyed reading and writing these um but yeah it's um just being aware of Sometimes when we go to worship, we're not we're not able to, 
And sometimes we, the noise and the hallelujahs of other people, we don't feel like it. And, and, and that song came out of, you know, as I've said, you know, in Bonnes, being a pastor and a minister and looking around and seeing in the congregation some people who you know, their life this week or there's their life, they've come and they're carrying a huge burden. And the last thing they want is the praise, the praise songs. And, and there's somebody else there with hands up there. <laughs> they're full of the praise, you know, and and how do you marry that when you're leading worship, when you're the, 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 the minister? And the only way sometimes is to say to people, you know what? You don't need to sing, but we'll sing for you. You know, we'll sing for you. We, we'll carry you, we'll lift you. Just you sit there and and just let us minister to you. And I think that's that we will sing for you. may not feel like singing. And a lovely thing about Ian Walker, he's got this wonderful, this used to happen in Bowness, that there was a number of songwriters that would be listening to sermons and they'd say, oh, that's a line, I'll take that. And they'd go away and write a song. Uh, it became the congregation's song. And we need more of that in our worship, in our communities, our own homemade songs. We don't need hill songs. We don't need Bethany. We don't need all these other places. We need our own songs from our own community to praise God. We need our own new songs, don't you think? Yes. Hallelujah. I thought you were about Hallelujah. to break into a song there, Albert. <laughs> one, two, one, two. <laughs> but that's us. That's us hitting our hour. My goodness. Um, what a fascinating conversation. And um, Rob, it's been so lovely to have you. And Jim, so lovely to have you too. Um, oh, it's been a good one, hasn't it, Albert? It has indeed, yeah. It's been great. And a huge thank you to all of you and to you, those of you listening in and also to Ray for being with us again tonight, just uh, quietly keeping everything in time and keeping the, the programme rolling. Thank you so much. And thank you all for listening in tonight. And we hope that you will keep in touch with us. And uh, if you've enjoyed this theme of Workplace, we'd love to hear from you. And uh, I'm sure Rob uh, Tripkin would love to hear from you as well uh, because it's an area that he's really passionate about and also Jim Steele's been interested in. So this whole idea of our workplace and how we can make a difference in our work, uh, Sanctuary First wants to be there, to be in that space as well. So uh, thank you for being with us tonight. Remind you, Sunday 3 o'clock and it's uh, James Cuthcart and Laura Dagen that are on Sunday. Absolutely. Our theme is, so tell me what you want. What do you really, really want? <laughs> and if that's got any musical cue sparking, then you're on the right track. <laughs> well, there you go, Jim. Get yourself a song out of that. <laughs> I think it's been done before. I'll <laughs> I think so, yeah. Well, listen, guys, thank you again uh, uh, for being with us tonight. And uh, it's have a great weekend. Look forward to the weekend coming up. And I hope it's as sunny where you are. Uh, and until next week and the next uh, Friday Night Review, God bless and see you then.